Welcome to Obsidian's podcast, Off the Rock, On the Record, where we'll host a number of our Rockstar team members sharing their insight and expertise on a variety of topics in the public relations and communication industries. Searching for insider tips on national pitching or event planning? Interested to know how we do things at Obsidian? Well, you might learn a thing or two by tuning in to these insightful conversations. So, let's listen in to what the team is talking about today on Off the Rock, On the Record. Hey everyone, thanks for joining Obsidian for Season 2 of Off the Rock, On the Record. I'm Taylor Jolly, and I'll be hosting the conversations we have throughout Season 2 of our podcast. Today on Episode 4, we're chatting with Murray Lace. If you've recently worked with Obsidian, you're likely to know Murray. She's an account executive and a jack-of-all-trades, and she specializes in working with restaurant and entertainment clients. She's opened numerous restaurants and can sometimes help get me on the guest list, and for that, I am thankful. So thanks for joining me, Murray. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Of course. So every episode this season, we've been starting off by asking the same question, and I'm really interested to hear your perspective since we work in such different industries typically. What is a trend that you're noticing in PR? I would say ROI. I'm seeing a lot of restaurant owners um, ask me, you know, how does this impact my ROI? And it's important for us from a PR standpoint to explain that PR is an indirect impact for ROI. So letting them know that we are a necessary player, but we cannot promise, you know, the moon. We can bring that horse to water, but whether he drinks or not is up to the consumer ultimately. I agree completely. And I was writing a blog the other day and I was talking about ROI and I kind of phrased it as, you know, PR is a marathon, not a sprint, but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy the views in mile one. So there are some things that are going to be immediate wins, but your major return on your investment is what you're going to see in the long run. Exactly. And it's going to be a culmination of, of several things, not just solely PR. What you mentioned, though, about talking with clients about ROI is something that we've emphasized at Obsidian. It's kind of part of a trend that we've been doing recently as a firm, not necessarily a concerted effort, but really making sure that we're managing our client relationships well. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, Murray, you've been with the firm a little over three years, so you've got a lot of experience on all different levels working with clients. So I wanted to start by asking, in your mind, what traits make an ideal client? An ideal client, I would say number one is responsiveness. And on the front end, it's more how they respond and not so much how quickly they respond because maybe they're just getting into the groove of things, you know. They've been doing this on their own for however many years, and then we come on board and try to to right the ship if necessary. So responsiveness is definitely a big one. And then also transparency. Are they telling us stuff up front? Are we finding things out on social media instead of through them directly? Having all our ducks in a row and having everything we need to know on the front end is very helpful and helps us uh, get on the right track early on. I agree completely. And I think what's so hard is when you're starting out that client relationship, we do send a lot of emails. And so I think sometimes if you've not worked with a firm before, if you haven't worked with a lot of vendors before, those emails can be a little bit overwhelming. And so um, I think good clients really kind of take control of that quickly. And I think another thing about good clients is they're really interested in learning Oh, yeah. So even if they don't necessarily know a lot about PR, they're really interested in knowing what our process is like so that they can get the most out of the relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And them showing that investment, too, is, is very helpful in our and gets kind of affirmation for us. And that's my love language, words of affirmation. <laughs> so when you're looking at a, an ideal client, a lot of times we think about the client as the specific person who maintains the relationship with us. But I think in an overall sense, the client is the organization that we work with. Are there any traits that make an organization good to work with? 
I would say, yeah, piggybacking off those traits that I just mentioned earlier, are they trustworthy and forthcoming and honest, um, giving us ever all the keys we need to know on the front end, their priorities, their, um, their problems, where they need the most help, is very beneficial to us to make sure that when we're creating that communication analysis, we're asking the right questions, which is what we do at the very beginning of our client relationships. And then whenever we go through that, we go then go on to the action plan, which lets us outline the, uh, the main points that we want to get accomplished. And sometimes clients come to us in the middle of a crisis. And I think what's important to note is that we're not just talking about you have to be in a great place as a company to be a good client. You can be in the middle of a terrible crisis and still be a good client if you're honest about your current situation, if you're forthcoming with information. That helps us plan as PR people. So you don't have to be in a perfect place as an organization, but just being honest about where you are. Exactly, exactly. And that's funny that you, you bring up crisis. This is kind of a, a side note, but I was working trolley night a couple months ago for another client, and a guy came up to me and said, so what do you do? whose problems are you solving? And I was like, well, it's not, everybody that comes to us isn't in a crisis. Like, I think Mm -hmm. he thought that PR firms are only for people who are in a crisis. And I was like, no, you know, we are proactive with a lot of our clients, uh, more so than reactive in a crisis. Absolutely. And I think as an organization, it's always our goal when we see a client through a crisis that we then go into proactive mode. So once we've gotten them through the storm, so to speak, that we can come out on the back end and create a proactive plan to uh, make better choices in the future. Exactly. So I imagine that good client relationships don't just happen every day. And some of them, I, I mean, I would imagine, have to be formed over time. So how do you recommend that maybe a new practitioner or somebody who's just kind of getting into the agency side of things gets a relationship off on the right foot? I think communication is key. Um, letting them know what our role is going to be, what we can take on for them, you know, making sure that they don't expect more of us than we plan to give them, just making sure we're all on the same page so that no one's disappointed. And also, there's a lot of work that goes in on the front end as far as planning for the future. But if you can get some immediate wins in the first month or two and show your value early on, I think that's very beneficial and um, shows them that you're dedicated and you're efficient and successful. So That's crucial because we can sometimes, I know speaking personally, I can get bogged down in the planning. And I want the plan to be perfect, so I take a lot of time to create these long, in-depth plans. But... I don't want the new client to not hear from me for two weeks because I'm in the process of making a plan. So those immediate wins are small things that, as a tactician, are not hard to execute but can mean really great things for a client. Uh, For example, getting in a newspaper they haven't been in in six months or even a year. Um, And those wins make them feel good about their decision even if you don't have the plan laid out. Right, right. And when you're putting those plans together, showing them through the process, like touching base with them through the process to show them that you've done your homework and that you're knowledgeable about their industry. Mm-hmm. So they're not leery on, well, does she know what she's doing? Do I need <laughs> to help her through this? Um, so just letting them know that you are aware of uh, trends in their industry and current news stories that are going on. You know, and it, it could be you just send them a news story that relates to their business every now and then on the front end just to let them know that you're paying attention to their industry. I think you're right on. And I, I think one of the things that we need to do is as practitioners, and this is something that I try to think about when I'm going through my communication analysis meetings, am I listening more than I'm speaking? Because in a communication analysis meeting, it is so much more about gaining information from a client than trying to prove your value. 
at that point, they've already hired you. So you're coming in to create the plan. And it's come to a point now where you need to stop pitching yourself and you need to start listening to their problems. Because if you know their problems, you can create a really amazing plan to help impact and make change in those areas. 100%. I feel like you could never have too much information on the front end. So as, as long as they're talking, you need to be listening. So soak in all that information that you can. When you have a really healthy client relationship with great communication, a strong plan, you're working proactively, what is the longevity of a relationship like that? I think it's limitless. I think, you know, the ideas can always evolve and you can always find new ways to reach a, a broader audience or new ways to promote the brand that are going to keep you in the conversation more than just a few months. So think about brands like Babalu. Like that's a Memphis staple. You know, it wasn't launched in Memphis, but they have a couple of Memphis locations and we work with them. So finding new ways to keep them top of mind for consumers is, is what we focus on. And being creative in that process is always so fun. I think, too, we're fortunate. It's, it's a double-edged sword because it can be difficult. Tactics are always so changing in our industry. There's new social media platforms that launch. Consumer trends change every day. We've got a media landscape that's shifting pretty rapidly. So we always have to be up on new things, but that also is a new value that we can add to clients. So if we were just doing social media before, why don't we try expanding and doing an email newsletter you know, next year as to launch our fifth year of our relationship? Are there any other things that you think can contribute to keeping relationships fresh in a long-term situation? I think including them in your brainstorms for new ideas can be helpful. I know Service Master by Stratus, which is a professional janitorial company that we work with here, their CEO is super involved in our planning process. You know, this, is, this business is her baby. And so getting her creative ideas is always beneficial to us and can help us build on our own ideas and come up with one that is bigger and better and the best one yet. So I think including them as much as you can in the creative process without bogging them down, of course. And that, I think, goes along with listening because there's nothing worse than spending all this time brainstorming and you present a list of topics and they're like, we can't do any of these because this reason. So if you involve them in the process, that can help eliminate some time waste. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. This podcast is mainly about PR topics, but I know that there are going to be some people who listen that are not necessarily in a PR firm or agency setting. And so I wanted to ask, in your opinion, do you think that client relationships between a PR firm and their client mirror relationships in other industries? Oh, absolutely. You know, we've been talking a lot about listening skills, and I think that communication and listening is key for any relationship, professional or, or personal um, you know, everybody wants to be heard and feel valued and have their opinion, um, be part of the conversation. So listening, we have so much to gain from that, you know, respect and knowledge to mm -hmm. help us make our plans and help you understand the industry and all that good stuff. So um, communication and listening is definitely a huge one. Anything else you think? Honesty and transparency. I think nowadays people are so sensitive. Um, they have such thin skin. And I think if you aren't able to tell your peer or, you know, the person that you're working with that there is a new, different, better, more efficient way to go about something, um, then you're going to go downhill. If you can't be honest with somebody, it's, it's just not going to work out the best way it could. Absolutely. So no matter what industry you're in, I think those are two huge takeaways is really constant and upfront communication and also being honest and transparent. 
Um, we talked with Gracie earlier in the season about social media, and one of the big keys that she kept talking about with, was authenticity. And I think authenticity, not only in social media, but in communication in general, is a huge trend that we're seeing. We spent a, a good bit of time talking about what makes really great client relationships, and sadly, there is a flip side to that, and we have all been in business situations where a relationship or a partnership just isn't working. And so I wanted to talk with you about what makes a client a, quote, poor client. Okay. So we said responsiveness makes a good client. So I'm going to say unresponsiveness, <laughs> of course, does not uh, make a great client. And like I mentioned earlier, on the front end, it's more of how they're responding and not how quickly they're responding. So really paying attention to is there answer just K. Thanks. Right. Okay. You know, um, are they showing that they're really invested and interested in, in what you're sending along? And if they're not, then that may be a red flag. Also, are they disorganized or things kind of in disarray? Uh, maybe they're organizationally not ready. Maybe they have an internal PR girl or, or man who, <laughs> who doesn't necessarily want your help and doesn't really understand that they may need your help. And so they could be a little hesitant to trust you and be forthcoming with information. So that could be another red flag. That's always a hard situation to navigate when you have an internal communication or PR person. I think in an ideal world and something that we see very regularly is that we can work amazingly well with an internal communication person. We're not trying to step on toes. We're not trying to take someone's job. But what we can do is provide kind of outside services and an outside perspective and to delve time into things that they could not do in their everyday working world. So we allow them to put their effort into the things that they can do extremely well and allow us to put our efforts into things that we're kind of getting put on the back burner in their role. Um, so, But that can be challenging because at first it kind of comes across as this like territorial boundary war thing. Right, sometimes. right. But I feel like more often than not it comes out very quickly to be a great situation for both of us because we're taking things off their plate and helping them do things that they may not enjoy doing. So um, I think it works out well. And one of my biggest frustrations, I think you can touch on this a little bit more in depth, is when you create a plan and you find out that there was an enormous factor that wasn't told to us. So either they're about to fire their CEO or they just had a huge private scandal for embezzlement or something. So talk a little bit about like un being unforthcoming. I think in a PR client relationship, it's very important for us to be proactive. And so having all the information before it hits the news or it hits social media or, you know, it hits a board meeting and then all the board members go and tell their friends who tell their friends, having that information on the front end is essential and crucial. So we're not caught off guard and, um, end up in trouble, well, not in trouble, but, you know, on the on the defense, right. so to speak, when, when stuff hits the fan. I agree. And I think what happens sometimes is they hire a PR firm because they've had a crisis or something is going wrong, but they don't want us to know about the crisis. They just want us to start sharing good news in the chance that whatever bad thing had happened comes to light. And what usually ends up happening is as we're sharing news stories aggressively with the media, the journalists do their job and do research and find things. And so when we're trying to pitch a good story, it ends up becoming a whole story about whatever you were trying to hide. 
So we need to know on the front end those kind of situations. Right, right. Journalists love a scandal, and I <laughs> personally love to watch scandals like Dateline and stuff. <laughs> Being a part of those is not fun. So finding out everything we need to know is really important. And one of the things to me as a PR person that irks me the most is when we start a relationship and it's clear that the person that we're working with on an everyday basis, who may not be the same person that hired us, doesn't respect either us or our industry. Yeah, that's 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 true, too. And I think the communication part on the front end, really letting them know what we do and what our role is can help with that. And if they're still not into it, then, then maybe mm-hmm. that could be a red flag that Trouble is coming. Yeah. So how quickly do you think that we can identify trouble in a relationship? I think I'm a pretty good judge of character. So I'm going to say, like, second, third meeting, you should know whether or Mm -hmm. not they're going to be on board with you or not. I've mentioned this earlier a couple times, but one thing that doesn't make me nervous is if they're not responding quickly enough. It's just how they're responding. I agree because sometimes, like we mentioned earlier, it can be overwhelming in the beginning. And so maybe they're just trying to gather their thoughts. Maybe they have somebody above them that they have to go through before they can respond. So unresponsiveness in the beginning I don't think is necessarily a sign of trouble to come. But I agree with you completely. I think that you get the feeling when you sit down in the meeting, in like meeting two or three, and you're like, oh, something is not right here. Bad vibes, bad vibes. If you've noticed you're feeling those bad vibes, you're sitting in a meeting and there have been some like kind of cutting comments that are made, you got to do something to try to right track the situation because we never want to lose a client. So talk with me a little bit about how as PR practitioners or just as somebody in, in another business field that's trying to maintain a partnership, how can you mitigate some of these challenges? I think you need to speak their language. Don't intimidate them by throwing out you know, PR terms to mm-hmm. an accountant, and I would never expect the accountant, or I wouldn't respond well if the accountant threw numbers and figures at me, you know. Mm-hmm. We're PR girls. We don't do math. <laughs> um, so really speaking their language and making sure everybody's on the same page um, can help right the ship. And finding a new point of communication, maybe email is just not going to work for them. They're too busy to check email all day long. So you're going to pick up the phone and call them. I know us millennials are not into that, (laughs) but it could be a phone call. It could be a text message. It could even be a a group me chat. Like one of the restaurants that I work with, we've now moved to group me just because it's easier for all of us to talk um, together. I think that's really great to bring up because sometimes we assume that a client's not answering our emails and we're like, uh, I just... I feel like they're not really invested, but it's just that they're in the kitchen all day at their restaurant or they're in the classroom teaching children. So it's not necessarily that they don't want to respond. It's just they're not at their computer like we are almost every day. Right. And I think there's a way to go about that. You should approach it with finesse, obviously, when you're when you're um, trying to figure out how to make things right. So just be direct, but be, be nice about it, of course. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of value to... If somebody does start saying something in a meeting that's a little bit cutting, just saying, hey, so what exactly do you mean by that? I want to make sure that we're serving you in the best capacity possible, and I think it's pretty clear that you're not happy with this product. So can you talk me through what you'd like to see better the next time? And kind of put the ball in their court and let them decide how they're going to respond. And you may be able to get some really great feedback that can help prevent issues in the future. Anything else that you can do if, if you're just not really turning the corner with a, with a client? 
I think you could stroke their ego. Like, you know, mm-hmm. get them in a conversation with feature in the business journal or do a submitted column to the daily news. Get them in the news somehow, some way to show them that, that you are valuable and that PR is necessary for their business. So we've been talking a lot about why client relationships might go bad or you might perceive that they're not going well. How can you determine if a client relationship is bad because of the client or is bad because of some sort of a circumstance that you can fit? I always have to ask myself, are they trying to understand what we're doing or are they not? And if they are trying to understand, then maybe I'm the problem. You know, there's like those things I just went over um, before you asked me this question about how to write the ship. Like, have I done all those things? Have I covered all my bases Mm -hmm. to make this relationship be as beneficial to both of us as possible? Now, if they're not trying to understand and I have gone through all those things, maybe they are the problem. You know, we talked a little bit about the internal PR team working with us um, as the outsourced PR team. And and maybe that could present an issue. Maybe they're just a little hesitant at first. One way that we can help identify if it's just not a good fit or if there's a way that this can be corrected is by bringing in our superiors. So our director of client services, Lauren, and our owner, Courtney, are really good at managing client relationships and they can help us identify those flaws that we may not be seeing ourselves. And they also may be able to say, the way they talk to you in this manner is not appropriate, which would be a sign that the client's just not a good fit. Kind of talking about calling in reinforcements, do you think that there are signs of when you should do that, when you should go to your boss? Oh, absolutely. Maybe, you know, they've said something a little cutting that's inappropriate Maybe they've exposed something to you about their business that might be unethical. Mm-hmm. And if there's any question at all, it may be in the slightest degree unethical. You need to tell superiors about that, of course. Um, and if our work is being hindered, if we've been waiting three weeks for approval on a news release and now the news is not very newsworthy anymore because it's always timely. So I think calling them in when work's being hindered or something inappropriate or unethical or, God forbid, illegal happens. And I I think you really hit a good point. Obviously, if something inappropriate or unethical is happening, you need to go to your your boss. But when your work is being hindered or the account kind of stagnates and comes to a halt, you really need to alert your directors because what happens is we as practitioners move on and work with our other clients, and then we're not putting in the hours that we need to be putting in on this client. And the last thing that you want is for your boss to come to you because they've responded to an invoice and said, well, why are we being charged for this when we didn't use all the hours? And then we have to explain, well, you didn't get back to us on this email, so we couldn't move forward. And then it becomes this back and forth, and the relationship just goes even further down the drain. Exactly. And shout out to Google for having the automatic, do you need to follow up on this email? (laughs) The feature now that is gonna be very helpful for us. And for me, I'm I have tunnel vision with my emails, and I have to write down if I need to re- respond to somebody, not respond, but if I need to follow up with somebody. So I got an alert this morning that was like, no one's responded to you in three days. I was like, oh, that's right, I forgot I sent this, and so then I followed up this morning. But that is a great new feature. So, do you think PR firms should ever fire a client? Yes, hundred percent. And I've never had it happen to me, obviously, but um, I do think that if it ever got to a point where I felt that my mental or emotional health was being, you know, impacted negatively, then absolutely it's time to cut the cord. I've talked about people being too sensitive, but I don't like to be cursed at. Like, that's just never appropriate in a work setting. 
male or female. Like, it's just not okay. And so I think if if they're talking down to you and um, just being mean, that's that's not okay. I agree. And I think what's hard as a PR person, especially in an agency setting, is we have our office culture as Obsidian. Great working relationships, open lines of communication, super fun and encouraging. But we also kind of step into the working environment of each of our clients because we're involved in daily communication. And so some office environments are just toxic. And we can kind of get dragged down into that. And especially if they're a bad client for all of the reasons that we've listed above, sometimes, you know, they're not paying, they're being ugly, they're asking too much, or they're not responding. It's not profitable for us. It's not working for them. And the last thing we want is to leave somebody with a bad impression of us. So it's just time to dissolve and move on. So that's all the questions that I have. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, I want to leave you with one last question. What is the best professional advice you've ever been given? Best professional advice? I would say I got this in high school from my journalism teacher, Miss Andrews. Shout out to Miss Andrews in Wynn High School. (laughs) Um, She always said that if you're nervous about going into an event, and I'm that way, like I don't do crowds. Same. Yeah, you don't, not, not big on crowds. So when I go into an event, even if we're hosting the event for the client, I just still feel a little awkward, especially because everybody's there to party Mm -hmm. and I'm there to check people in or take photos that if you carry a clipboard and or a camera, you will look like you belong there. So if you're nervous, get you a clipboard. I agree. That cracks me up that you say that because I remember one time in college I was covering a sports event for my journalism class and it was a football game and I had to go up in the press box and I was like, I look like a baby compared to all of these 50-year-old men who are covering college football that I had a lanyard and I had a clipboard and everyone was like, do you need the stats? I'm like, yes, Yes. I do need the stats (laughs) for my story. Can I also have the (laughs) play-by-play? Awesome. Well, that's a wrap. Um, Hopefully y'all learned a thing or two about working with people and managing client relationships, even if you're not in the PR industry. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Off the Rock, On the Record. Next time, we'll discuss upward mobility and transitioning roles within your company with Lauren, our Director of Client Services. Catch you next time on Off the Rock, On the Record.